Good afternoon. What a pleasure and privilege it is to be with you Monday through Friday, noon to 2, or anytime on our podcast. TheGreatVoice.com is where you'll find it. Press the button, have it downloaded automatically to you, and we can be together every day, morning, noon, or night. We really appreciate it when you join us here noon to 2, and when you join us on the podcast on TheGreatVoice.com. Well, it's been a busy time, almost as busy as the good old days uh, when I was uh, all over the place all the time. Last night, it was the 100 Club of Detroit, which is where the 100 Club began, the 69th Annual Dinner Meeting and Valor Awards. I salute the 100 Club Board of Directors, William M. Packer, President, A.J. Fisher III, Vice President, Jonathan S. Taub, Secretary, uh, James A. Boucher, Treasurer, and then the woman who really makes everything happen, Nancy Ripullian. And I thank all of the people involved there uh, with this great dinner at the DAC last night. And we met a number of heroes, those that were awarded the Valor Award, the recognition, and the Shinola Watch, which we uh, greatly appreciated uh, giving to them because of their incredible service. Also happy to announce in the past year, we did not lose a police officer, firefighter, or EMT, EMS worker in the line of duty. And uh, that's always good news, and we don't get to say it often enough. Happy to be up there with uh, George Blaha as we traded uh, reading off the uh, Valor Awards. And uh, we had a little music from classical guitarist Robert McCloy. The invocation by the chief chaplain of the Detroit Fire Department, George Aaron. And then, I love the Metro Detroit Police and Fire Fife and Drum Corps. I just, I don't know, it's there's something extra special about that. Rieger, do you agree? Uh, Brian Morton, do you have, have you heard these guys before? The Metro Detroit Police and Fire Fife and Drum Corps? I have not, but uh, I, I bet they are good. They're good. And they're 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 really good. And you know, as you get older, uh, you have to discuss certain things that I don't want to discuss, like death. I don't even want to think about it. I've had to think about it lately, but I, I'm I don't want to think about it. But Kim is always asking, you know, uh, what music would you like at your funeral? And I go, what the hell? I are you kidding me? I don't want to even think about that right now. I know you're supposed to. I know that the real good planners out there plan it all. I have not, because I, I don't want to think about that. Well, you know, do you want to be cremated, or do you want a casket? Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I've never thought about that. Don't want to think about it. I said, look, if you're looking for something from me that, that will help you feel like you can plan in advance my demise, I would really like to have the Metro Detroit Police and Fire Fife and Drum Corps play the bagpipes there at my funeral. And she said, geez, I don't think I can get them by next weekend. Oh, anybody? The, oh, anybody get that? Brian, where's the... Anybody get that? Brian, are you listening? Okay, there we go. Better late than never, which is what I always say. Anyways, <laughs> I did not use that last night. I I tried it, tried it out on Bill Packer. I said, what do you, th you think? And Bill Packer said... Well, listen, if, if she needs them, Paul, just have her get in touch with me and I could. Bill, you're missing the point! Anyway, it was a great night. And I'll tell you what, Chief James White 
gave a, an impromptu speech. He didn't even know he was going to be called upon, and he was spectacular. That is a great guy. He is a great Detroit to police chief. But on the other hand, there were many great chiefs there last night, and I was able to meet with the, some of them and talk with them and all of that, and it was just a... It was uh, wonderful. The 6900 Club uh, Valor Awards in dinner, and uh, it was really, really good. But, but like I say, getting busy because tonight another event, the Futures Foundation's annual fundraising event, which is a night of celebration for William C. Young and his whole family, Bill and Vivian and the kids. They're going to be celebrating tonight their incredible generosity and compassion, and I'm happy to say I am not emceeing the event. So I'm not working. I'm just going uh, to pay my respects and tribute to a wonderful, wonderful family, the Young family, and all the things they do. You know them because I talk about them from Absopure and Plastipac packaging. So those are a couple of things I'm very happy to be a part of, the Futures Foundation's annual fundraising event, Night of Celebration, tonight uh, at the Weston Book Cadillac. Looking uh, forward to that and a nice job done by... Uh, uh, Michelle Glazier and Rachel Welch and a whole bunch of people. It, you know, all of these events take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of work. Uh, I know. So uh, I, I salute all the people involved. And I salute the people who are being lauded because they deserve it. Okay, so here we have... What, did you watch any of the grilling of Merrick Garland last night, yesterday? Yesterday, not last night. Now, I know, Rieger, you were very busy. Correct. And I was, Brian, I was with you. Brian's running our show. He's producing the next show, the great uh, Chris Renwick. Um, so, Brian, I doubt you saw any of this grilling. Not a bit of it, no. Yeah, and and if you weren't working so hard, you still wouldn't have. <laughs> you still wouldn't have watched it, would you? No, not no. At all. You're a good man. Uh, I have to because I have to be able to talk about these things and what. And uh, I think I'll sum it up this way because I kind of agree with the headline in the New York Post. Uh, the New York Post, you know, I, I always say, don't sugarcoat it, tell us how you really feel. This is the headline in the New York Post. Ignorant, pathetic Merrick Garland wilts on the hot seat before Congress. End of quote. So, like I say, New York Post, don't sugarcoat it, tell us how you really feel. So, that's that. Uh, it was... Uh, well, it was just the way it is. You know, Republicans always attack the Democrats. Democrats always fight back for whoever's on the hot seat. If they happen to be a Democrat, it's just the same old thing. However, there are some very legitimate concerns and claims. And uh, beyond that, in the Hunter Biden inequities compared to President Trump, for example, um, we're looking now at this horrific situation that just keeps getting worse with immigrants, illegal immigrants, obviously. We're never talking about people who come here properly following the law. We're talking about the ones that are sneaking in, and now they don't even have to sneak. They can walk in with their hell, head held high with their uh, fentanyl and anything else they bring to poison America for those who do. Obviously not all of them, but there are plenty of them because... Look at the fentanyl levels in these United States just over the last two or three years. It's unbelievable. And how many times have they they've busted somebody and they say, well, they had enough fentanyl to kill everyone in the United States. I don't I can you can any of you tell me 
why this drug is so great that people want to take it. And uh, and now there are people who take it, don't even know they're taking it because they use it to cut other drugs, and then they die. What's Is there a high, like, like heroin, Rieger? I don't know why I'm asking I, you, I, but I am I, asking I, you. I would not know uh, what the effects are, but I do know that it's causing big problems because people don't know that it's in other stuff right. that they're taking, and it's causing um, big problems. I think anyone who is caught selling fentanyl, and I, I know they say, well, we want to get the big guy. No, take them all out. If you find some small-time guy peddling fentanyl, arrest him for attempted murder. And really... Don't let them go the minute you bring them in and say, oh, you don't have to, you don't, no, no, you can leave. All right. Come on. Let's just, let's just make sure we enforce the laws we have on the books. Man, oh, that's annoying. Well, there's lots to talk about. I'm, I'm going to tell you that. There's lots. Oh, I'm going to tease you with this. August 17th to the 31st of 2024. Save the date. That's all I can tell you right now. Save the date. We've been given our information for yet another Kim and Paul W. trip that you will want to be on. That is uh, that is a fact. We'll give you details as they become available to be released. Meanwhile, what about the government shutdown? Jared Halpern, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, with his take up next as we continue in focus on WJR. So glad you're here with us, noon to two, Monday through Friday. And as I mention always, thegreatvoice.com is where you can get the podcast if you can't be here with us. Always nice to have with us Jared Halpern, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. And now this is, I'm not sure, maybe it's all you had, Mr. Rieger, but I'm not sure why you would give me a press release from the White House on any topic. Is there a particular reason, David? Oh, <laughs> he had to run to the necessary room. All right, um, here's their headline. Extreme House Republicans' chaos is marching us toward a government shutdown. So that that's the press release from the White House taking absolutely no responsibility and blaming the extreme House Republicans. Well, Jared Halpern knows better than that, and he's got his own take on where we are and the trouble we're headed toward once again with shutting down the government, as if that's trouble. But anyway, and well, it is. Jared, good afternoon. Listen, I think that headline is the exact same way that Kevin McCarthy would describe it right now, too, by the way. Um, The House of Representatives is entirely paralyzed. Uh, They hear just within the last hour, um, failed to take a procedural vote on their own defense bill because there were five Republicans who voted against it. Um, I mean, after the vote, uh, McCarthy basically blamed those five. You know, he said, you know, they don't even want to have a debate on this stuff. What options are they are, are there left for us? I mean, so the idea that there's going to be a shutdown right now um, is because the House of Representatives, the Republican-led House, is unable to, to pass really anything uh, as it relates to spending uh, for the defense policy bill, which is what they just failed, or come together uh, cohesively as, as a conference um, on any sort of spending bill. You have 
Republicans who have said they're not going to vote for any CR at all. You have Republicans who have said they're going to vote no on anything that has uh, Ukraine money. And so these are, are issues that Kevin McCarthy's trying to, to assuage and, and trying to press forward because he can't even really begin the process of negotiating with the Democrat-led Senate or the White House until they pass their own bill. And that's been the, the trouble so far in this government funding. So debate. these are the Republicans that don't like Kevin McCarthy, don't want him in his position, and the Republicans making well, Kevin McCarthy do, spin I mean, around. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's come out as a big supporter of Kevin McCarthy. So it's not entirely that same group that sort of blocked him from becoming speaker in the first place, um, although that's some of them. Um, it's been certainly his right flank, but not all of them have been sort of opposed to McCarthy as speaker. You know, one of the uh, big opponents of, of these spending bills has been Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, who I think surprising to a lot of people, at least earlier this year, um, was an early supporter of Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker of the House. So this is, again, a problems with the Republicans, which has been uh, it's been across the country. God knows we've had trouble with the Republican Party in Michigan and uh, some feel that it's blown up and gone. So maybe the Republican Party is just in major, major uh, difficulty and maybe shouldn't exist as the Republican Party. Sounds like there's at least two parties in the Republican Party. Um, I mean, listen, I, I don't know if they're quite at that point. This has a lot to do with, I think, strategy over necessarily policy. Um, and that was kind of the frustration. You know, as I said, Speaker McCarthy right now just said, um, you know, we have five people. If they don't want to even vote to allow us to bring the bills up, how does that? How does anybody complain? Um, he said this is a whole new concept of individuals that just want to burn this whole place down. That doesn't work. I know it's an obstacle. Well, so maybe it wasn't bad for the first time in history that using a White House press release <laughs> – might actually say something that is correct. What we do know, and why I said when I well, said, well, I mean, the, the White House obviously is warning about a a um, shutdown at all, right? And obviously, if there were a shutdown, you're going to see Democrats in in the White House blame uh, Republicans for it, and and their arguments are going to go beyond just these five uh, Dem- Republicans who have sort of said no to these various spending bills, because even whatever Republicans come up with and are able to pass is going to have uh, presumably spending cuts and other types of, of policies in there that are going to be rejected uh, by the White House, certainly going to be rejected by Democrats in the Senate. Um, but my point is we're not even really at that stage of the debate yet <laughs> because uh, Republicans haven't been able to, to sort of pass their own measure in the House. Well, what the White House would like us to know is if there is a government shutdown, they do the whole list, which is why I say, you know, jokingly you say, would well, that be bad if the government's not there? Well, it would be because there'd be service members, law enforcement officers working without pay. Um, did yeah. Disaster response would be undermined. Uh, research on cancer and other diseases. A head start eliminated for kids or slots eliminated. And uh, significant delays for travelers, air traffic controllers, TSA officers would have to work without pay. We go through the list, but I will and say it's... That- Go ahead. Some of that some of that depends on how long a shutdown were to last. Um, those are not the things that happen on, say, day one of a government shutdown because people aren't paid every day. Right. You're paid monthly and right, kind of depending right. on where you are uh, in the payroll calendar. And I don't know if it's the same for every agency or not, but for some of these individuals, um, a shutdown would have to last longer than a month um, for that to happen. Now, 
again, that's not that's still disruptive, you know, for, for a family to be sure. Um, and listen, the, the last time that there was a major government shutdown, it, it did last longer than a month. It lasted, I think, 36 days. So these are, are real concerns, to be sure. But sometimes the impact of a government shutdown um, takes time to really um, be felt by a large number of people, which is sometimes, I think, why they get downplayed, because often they're solved after two, three, four, maybe even a week, right? Well, let me let me say, um, trust me when I say, as much as I, I don't like the far left, I have problems also with the far right, because there's no compromise. There's no in-between. Yeah. There's no working things yeah. out, which is what has to happen in our government to protect us, we the people. We'd rather see these people doing things that are good for the country rather than doing things that are good for their party or the other party or fighting this or fighting that. But yet they get to do this. I mean, this is shutting down the government is like just another thing on the agenda every year. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. Um, but we have to fund it every year. That's the way it kind of works. So I know, but that's why it's always used as like this political uh, political wedge. Well, it's unfortunate, but you're covering it beautifully, Jared Halpern. Hey, I don't even like to think about it. Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. Thanks, Jared. Thank you. We continue right here on WJR. As we continue in focus at 760 WJR, Christine Burke, our next guest, the chief staff, chief of staff for Oakland Community Health Network. She also serves on the Suicide Prevention Task Force and the Community Mental Health Association of Michigan State PR Work Group. She has more than 30 years' experience in public and community relations, crisis management, and community education. In addition to spending nearly a decade on the communications team for Illich Enterprises, Christine has also worked with respected Oakland County-based organizations like Easter Seals, MORC, Michigan and uh, Lighthouse of Oakland County, just to name a few. Christine's extensive experience uh, in her previous role as Director of Communications will continue to support her in this role as Chief of Staff. Christine Burke, welcome to the Paul W. Smith Show at WJR. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for giving Oakland Community Health Network an opportunity to talk about September being Recovery Celebration Month and Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. It's that part, uh, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, that that compels me to tell this story because I wasn't going to when I came across it, but now I must. There's a story in a Kenyan city of a window where the kids came to school and were greeted by a horrifying sight. One of their classmates was hanging from a rafter, dead of an apparent suicide, a fourth grader. Heartbreaking. We We clearly have issues. This was in another country, but it's in every country, unfortunately, And it's right here in this United States for us to even need a month that's called Suicide Prevention and Suicide Prevention Awareness Month indicates what a big problem it is, Christine. Well, one of the things we like to talk about in regard to suicide prevention, substance use treatment, is to make sure that families in our community know where and when and how to get help when needed. 
And part of that focus, of course, is addressing stigma, ensuring that people know the 988 phone number or the non-emergency number. And, and I think most importantly, that we address stigma. So people aren't afraid to get help. It's one of the reasons we host so many events during September, but we also talk about these important issues throughout the year. So OCHN is contracted by the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services to deliver and manage publicly funded behavioral health services for Oakland County residents. So we fund and contract with 190 service providers at over 300 service sites, and we serve 27,000 people. That being said, we talk about that ripple effect of the individuals whom we support directly, but then the support for their family members, friends, neighbors, who's ever connected to them in their lives. So it's really a wraparound approach to supporting our community and also making sure services are available and there aren't any barriers that prevent people from getting the help they need. Christine Burke, Chief of Staff for the Oakland Community Health Network, OCHN. You're really, you're really the, the safety net for community um, uh, and for people, especially people who are underinsured or maybe have no insurance. Most of the individuals whom we serve have Medicaid insurance or underinsured However, in a crisis situation, we really rely on our provider network, our resource and crisis center to help stabilize anyone, whether they have insurance or not. If they are insured, once a crisis has been stabilized, we will help connect them to their insurance, to other community resources. And really, that's about collaboration. So that's partnering with law enforcement. It's partnering with our county government, our board of commissioners, that we work together to find solutions and to make sure people feel there's hope in this county. And and let's face it, uh, maybe you can help us how, how we got to this point. But we already know, and I was just with a bunch of heroes last night at the 100 Club Dinner, the Valor Awards for police, firefighters, EMTs. But we got to a position where we were expecting our, in this case, let's say, police officers to be people who know how to deal with people with a mental illness. That's not proper. That's not right. That's not their training. And your criminal justice services are trying to help ensure jails do not replace institutions of the past as an acceptable option for nonviolent offenders with a mental illness. How did we ever get to this point? You know, I, I can't address specifically how we landed to that point. I can talk about the supports we are building with law enforcement. So we have our crisis intervention team training, which is an international program. So we have trained more than 1,000 law enforcement members of law enforcement in our county to recognize an individual who may be in a mental health crisis, pro- provide them with some tools for de-escalation. But beyond that, with the support of our Board of Commissioners, other grants, support of our municipalities, we also have co-responders. So we have clinical professionals whose law enforcement can call in our community to join them on a mental health crisis or a crisis where substance use is happening. And they can help the law enforcement connect that individual to support, which is really important for continuum of care. So we're not just... addressing the crisis in that moment, but long-term we're helping people connect to supports that can change and save their lives, which is really the goal, to help people change and save their lives. Uh, the resource and crisis helpline is 988. If you find yourself in a crisis, if you find yourself 
contemplating suicide or someone that you love is, dial 988. The non-crisis service access phone is 248-464-6363, 248-464-6363. But again, in crisis, 988 is the number to call. Not 911 as, as much as and importantly, 988 is your first resource and crisis helpline. Uh, Chief of Staff, Oakland Community Health Network, OCHN. Christine Burt, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity again and for being part of the solution. Well, we're here to help any way we can. You stay in touch as we continue in focus on WJR. Well, I'm so glad you're here with us, noon to 2, Monday through Friday, or at thegreatvoice.com in our podcast. You can get the whole show or individual interviews. Thegreatvoice.com. Hope you'll join us either way. Lloyd Jackson does, and we appreciate it when WJR senior news analyst Lloyd Jackson does indeed join us and gives us our auto show report to keying in on a, a great company, Aishin. And uh, Lloyd, I got to tell you, before you start, had a great, uh, great time last night among a lot of your friends, the police officers, state troopers, county deputies, uh, every kind of police agency in Michigan, as well as firefighters and EMTs at the 69th Annual 100 Club Dinner and the Valor Awards, which was uh, 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 just an honor always to be there. But I was seated next to a great guy. You know him well. His name is Chief James White. Oh, yeah. What a, what a great fellow. We are so lucky to have him as chief of police in Detroit. We are. And uh, Chief White is, uh, you know, no nonsense, but still has a great sense of uh, humor and uh, loves the community and the community loves him back. And he's doing a great job in the the rank and file really following behind him as well. They they do a great job, though, those police officers and all those people, all the officers who were there last night. You know, they uh, do great jobs and they put their lives on the line to keep us safe every day. And every really day. they do. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. And uh he was called upon by uh, William M. Packer, Bill Packer, the president of the 100 Club, which originated in Detroit. Now it's all over the world. He was called upon to give a speech, which he didn't know he was going to have to do. And he did a great job. He does. And, and, and you know, the chief can, can step up and talk off the top of his head. And he talks from his heart and he means what he says. And so that that's nothing. That's nothing. for him. Yeah, well, he did it. OK, now you can give the report. I'm all ears like King Charles. All right, Paul W. During Technology Days at the 2023 North American International Auto Show, I took a stroll over to the Aishin Corporation booth. Aishin is a $32 billion company and is consistently a top 10 global tier one supplier of automotive components and systems. Brad Owen, Senior Vice President of North American Sales, talked to me about what Aishin showcased at this year's Detroit Auto Show. So our showcase is electrification. So our company is a traditionally a, a engine transmission company, component supplier. So as we transition into the EV stage and the EV uh, future, we have a lot of products that we're showcasing to improve um, efficiencies, uh, zero emissions, as we go towards um, meeting those goals in the future. You guys are making some tremendous strides in, um, in EV innovation and communication. What are some of those strides? Yeah, so we're focusing on the drive part of the EV system, so the e-axles. Um, we're also working on a complete system. Um, so we, if you look at the heat management or the aerodynamics, as well as power management, so we're looking at it as a more of a systems approach. So 
Um, whatever you're looking for, you know, we can provide as a whole system. Another one of those systems that Aishin is uh, looking at is their road maintenance solutions technology is designed to detect road abnormalities such as potholes from data and images collected by in-vehicle cameras while driving and formulate road repair plans to assist municipalities in road management. Now, Owens also talked about Aishin's Proving Grounds test track which is near Philo Beer. We have various different types of tracks that we have available for um, anyone that wants to come out and do any type of testing or validation. So we have off-road track, high-speed track, we have skid pads, even an ADAS simulation. I, I would think that maybe that police or, or maybe even new drivers may come out and use that uh, proving ground sometime. We do offer that. So for new students that are, are learning to drive, so they we show how the, the skid pad works. So it simulates if it's ice or if it's snow or if it's rain. So it really helps to um, improve their efficiency when driving. As well as state police, we offer any type of support that they may need for training and, and ongoing um, those type of activities. Owen says many of Aishin's innovations represent a big leap toward achieving the shared vision of the industry of sustainable transportation. Obviously, one of our goals is zero emissions, so we're working very hard to, to meet those goals. So we're looking at various areas for that to achieve, uh, whether it's in aerodynamics to improve range, uh, also energy management, power management. So um, that's our goal is to, to uh, forward that uh, zero emissions um, and carbon neutrality. Uh, mission. Is it moving too fast? Will you guys be able to keep up with how the government wants everybody to, to have those zero emissions at a certain time? Yeah, and I think that's a really good question. So I think that's uh, the, the sentiment of a lot of companies is understanding when exactly is that going to happen. So, um, but we are we're working very closely with our customers. So trying to meet their milestones and the volumes that they're going to require. So we're walking in lockstep with them to be able to achieve those goals. For more information on Aishin Corporation's EV systems, power management solutions, energy management innovations, and state-of-the-art aerodynamic systems, you can go to their website, AishinWorld.com. That's A-I-S-I-N World.com. Nice job. Nice job with Mr. Owens. We've also talked to the leader of the company in America here, Scott Turpin, and, uh, and Joe Rotinsky, who's been a helper for years with Aishin and in other areas. That one bit of equipment, the camera that uh, detects yeah. the uh, potholes, is that ever, that would never shut off on our roads. That thing would be <laughs> the hardest working piece of automotive equipment in the world. And a very important piece, Paul. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, really, going all the time. You always do a great job. I, I always enjoy uh, speaking with you and listening to you in the morning with the team, Lloyd Jackson. Thanks much. Thank you, Paul. We've got lots more coming up here. In Focus with Paul W. Smith. And if you can't be here noon to two, you can be here uh, all the time on thegreatvoice.com, meaning you can play the podcast anytime you want, thegreatvoice.com. Great to be here with you in Focus on WJR 760 on the AM dial. We're here noon to two, Monday through Friday. And then, of course, uh, you can get us at any time of day or night if you come on board uh, on the Great Voice dot com podcasts and a great night last night at the 69th uh, annual hundred club uh with bill packer chief james white a bunch of great chiefs i wish i could name them all but lots of them there for the uh, for the dinner that we do for the hundred club and uh, and we give out the valor awards george blaha joining us for that and uh, uh, William Packer, the president aj fisher the third vice president jonathan s taub the secretary and James A. Boucher, the treasurer, all held together by Nancy Ripuyan. 
And uh, we have great uh, reception music, classical guitarist uh, Robert McCloy, invocation by the chief chaplain, Detroit Fire Department, George Aaron. And uh, and I love the Metro Detroit Police and Fire, Fife, and Drum Corps. They came in. They did, among other things, uh, amazing grace. I, I, there's something about uh, bagpipes. They just get to me. They just they just do. They're perfect. And then I was seated with uh, Chief James White, which was an honor and a pleasure. And then he was called upon to speak. I, I just mentioned a moment ago uh, to Lloyd. And he does just a great job, spur of the moment. Tonight, it's the Futures Foundation's annual fundraising event, a night of celebration and our friend bill young william c young and his lovely wife vivian his whole family uh, and we're going to be celebrating their incredible generosity and compassion uh, at the futures foundation's annual fundraising event uh, tonight so uh, looking forward to that uh, anything else that's uh, grabbing your attention other than the republicans uh, self imploding uh, on uh, on everything that's been happening, anything uh, uh, Rieger or Brian Morton, if I know you're getting ready for your next show that you produce now with Chris Renwick, uh, excellent show. But uh, Rieger, anything? I see that the Detroit Tigers uh, have named a new general manager, uh, Jeff Greenberg, formerly of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks and the Chicago Cubs. So, Do you, you know anything about him? I don't. I, I wouldn't be expected to, but... Yeah, he's just uh, you know he's been he was with uh, those Chicago organizations uh, for about eleven years, and um, he ascended through the uh, the Cubs front office. Uh, he was a scout, and now he's uh, now he's a new general manager for the uh, for the Tigers. So that's uh, that's cool news as uh, they move forward into the off season with a lot of, with their. Um, Farm plenty system. of room, their plenty far- of room yeah. for improvement is yeah, a good true, way to put but it. Their, but their farm system is uh, is finally has finally got built back up uh, a little bit to where it should have been for many years, and uh, that's so that's good news for the Tigers. Okay, that is good news for the Tigers, and I, I hope it. Eh, well, I hope it makes a difference. I hope it it is a meaningful addition. I mean, we all want the Tigers to do well, don't we? Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course, we do. All right, that's good. Um, hey, at our golf outing, which was great, and we raised a lot of money, and uh, thanks to everybody, as I did uh, Monday or Tuesday, uh, for their help, including you, Rieger. And we were at very close to 500000 net dollars, and that makes the uh, total, 20-year total of funds, uh, being our 20th anniversary, Paul W. Smith Golf Classic for Children's Charities, uh, serving 55,000 youth each year in southeast Michigan, about eight point seven million dollars net but we did have an indianwood golf and country club they they were great there in lake orion they really did a good job great food too. i've heard from a lot of people the great food so i'm doing my announcements and I, I don't know if you were down there at the time and i said did everyone get a cigar and no one had gotten a cigar were you there for that I, yeah i was yeah it was very uh, embarrassing um, because every year we don't put it, I don't think we put it in the brochure or the information, but I always wanted to have the cigars, uh, just as a, a service, you know, for, for the, for those who choose to smoke, not everyone does and good for you, but for those of us who enjoy a fine cigar once in a while, I wanted to have them available. Although cigar smokers bring their own cigars wherever they go, just because they want to smoke what they like. But anyway, I did not go pick up the cigars this year, and someone not terribly familiar with cigars 
picked up a box, told me on the phone, yeah, I picked up a big black box. Uh, I got the cigars. I went, oh, you saved me a trip. That's one thing I can take off my list. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, it turned out that it was uh, not like last year with 200 cigars. There was some kind of, I'll call it a, like a wardrobe malfunction. There was a cigar malfunction, and we only had 25 cigars. And we ended up not passing out any cigars, because how do you choose what 25 people get a cigar, if you know what I'm saying? But I have the cigars, uh, and I thank uh, Nash Zaituna at Churchill's for giving us those cigars. But then I also had Ismael Humani, the founder and director of La Casa Cigars and Lounge, right across the street from the DAC. And since I was at the DAC last night, for the uh, 69th annual uh, dinner meeting for the 100 Club. Uh, I went over there, and God bless Ismael, who promised me a long time ago from La Casa Cigars and Lounge that he would provide cigars that I would surprise. Now, it's not much of a surprise, but I'm bringing uh, on the trip that we're going on in the next week or two. I'm not sure. Rieger, when am I leaving? You have that information. 27th is uh, your first day away uh, next okay, week. Okay, 27th. So next week. Um, so he donated a bunch of uh, 50 of these fabulous 20 Minutes in Detroit cigar. That's what they're called, and they're only available, I believe, through La Casa Cigars and Lounge and his various locations. Ismael Humani, founder and director, thank you much. Nash Zaituna. At Churchill's, thank you very much. So the folks that go with us to Paris and then on the Uniworld River Cruise uh, for uh, Bordeaux are going to be swimming in cigars that I'll be uh, bringing along. So I just, uh, no surprise, I'm just uh, going to do that, and uh, I hope that makes people happy. Meanwhile, it's the extra steps that we go when we do these trips and uh, continue to do these trips, and we have another one I can't tell you about other than to say, it's on this most spectacular, one of the most spectacular cruise lines ever, Seabourn. Seabourn is what Kim and I took on our honeymoon. We fell in love with Seabourn and cruise them whenever we can. But we've got a, a beautiful summertime in Canada and New England that'll be August 17th to the 31st in 2024. That's all I can tell you right now. Uh, but uh, maybe uh, maybe this is a save-the-date postcard I'm giving you via the radio. All right. I did not see it because I was out and about, but uh, the one and only Mark Royce, president of General Motors, had a uh, what looks like I'm just uh, David just sent it to me. I it's a a pretty good opinion piece, commentary opinion piece, and he said, uh, let's see, flow of misinformation could prolong UAW strike. Myth: GM doesn't pay its people a decent wage. Uh, myth. With its record profits, GM can easily afford the UAW's demands. Myth, those record profits go toward fueling corporate greed. Myth, GM doesn't provide significant paid time off for its employees. Myth, GM isn't addressing tears. Myth, GM employees lack retirement security. And myth, oh, that was the last myth. But he also talked about the importance of moving forward. And uh, let's face it, other workers who are not yet out on strike are being furloughed, I'll use that term. But if they don't come up with a better deal, uh, Sean Fain, I like to think of him as George Armstrong Custer of the auto industry, Sean Fain says he'll take more people out on strike uh, tomorrow if they don't come up with uh, better deals. Well, 
We've been here before. We don't like going through all this. Not good for anybody, including the workers. But we'll be here and through it all, as, in fact, Marie Osborne will be here up next with an update on the ongoing talks between the UAW and the Big Three, here in Focus on WJR. What a lineup of people that we have here Seven days a week, 24 hours a day at WJR, and all of our people, including Marie Osborne, WJR senior news analyst, at the top of their game, which is why you should be tuned in to 760 WJR. And when you can't be, go to thegreatvoice.com and listen to our podcasts. Marie is here, and uh, whoops, I have to, I have a, an introduction, Marie, that you went to the trouble of giving to me. And I zipped right by because it's the same thing that I see on my paper here. The talks between the United Auto Workers and the Detroit Three car makers drag on as a Friday union deadline looms. Before we get to that, because we just heard about that a moment ago, uh, before we get to that, this is the first I've heard of this wonderful event you're going to be a part of. Tuesday, October 3rd. Can you tell us about the, I think it was the Breakfast with the Bishop? Yeah, Breakfast with the Bishop. It benefits St. Anne's Mead uh, in Southfield, a great facility for seniors and people who need extended care. I did this uh, pre-pandemic once and had such a great time with these people at the uh, uh, club, uh, the DAC, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Well, that'll be fun. That and I can guarantee a good breakfast at the Detroit. Oh, uh, Athletic I know, Club. right? They do chef uh, loving uh, there is just stupendous. Great chefs, great servers, wait people, everybody there. Uh, it's it's why it's one of the top, if not the top, city clubs in the country. But mm-hmm. so it's Tuesday, October third. Breakfast with the bishop to uh, benefit St. Anne's Mead. And if you go to is it stannesmead.org? I believe get... that I believe that that is it. stannesmead.org. Uh, yes. In Southfield and you can uh, uh, you can get yeah. the information regarding your tickets and you not only get a great breakfast, you get great information about the great St. Anne's Mead and speaking of great Marie Osborne. Uh-huh. What an introduction, right? Well, I'm serious. It's uh, it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will be a lot of fun. It'll be um, great food, like you said, and always an interesting talk, always an interesting topic, and the people are just loads of fun. Uh, we wanted to bring you up to date on the talks with the UAW. We've been watching them now over several days, hoping mm-hmm. for some movement. Very little information coming out from the actual bargaining tables. Uh, But there is no question the strike is now affecting more workers at more plants. GM said it idled now its Fairfax assembly plant in Kansas City. They did it yesterday. 2,000 workers there across two shifts laid off indefinitely. That layoff was the result of the UAW GM closure at Wentzville, the assembly plant there in Missouri. So that was why they closed down the Kansas City plant. Stellantis laying off about 370 workers at three parts facilities in Ohio and Indiana. That's the They supply the Jeep plant in Toledo. Uh, at the same time, Stellantis has made a new offer to the UAW. So that we did learn. Bloomberg reporting that the offer, though, lacks the job security guarantees that the union had been looking for. 
All of this happening as the union says workers will walk off the job, more of them, uh, at more facilities if there's no significant movement in the talks by tomorrow at noon. Reports are indicating that the use of temporary workers are key, a key sticking point in these talks. The automakers say they need flexibility with temporary workers, especially as they manage the transition to EVs. The union is saying, and they've been clear on this from the very beginning, that they're opposed to temporary staff, saying it creates inequality on the factory floor. So that's why there's this uh, a lot of back and forth. Anywhere from 5 to 10 percent of GM's factory workforce is temporary. Uh, the figure, though, varies week to week. Stellantis has about 12 percent. Ford is at about 3 percent. And we are expected to hear from the UAW President Sean Fain tomorrow at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. Uh, we don't know which plants will be the next targets, although that they we've gotten some clues because they have had these practice rallies and practice picketing uh, at some of these locations. So we may uh, see them go out. They include the Ford plant in Louisville, uh, GM plant in Bedford, Indiana, and the GM truck plant in Arlington. But we don't know that for sure right now. Again, that deadline that secondary deadline, ten uh, excuse me, noon tomorrow, noon tomorrow, oh, and we not, will. Oh, wait a minute! Ex- it's not ten a.m. No, I, ten a.m. Sean Fain. Okay, ten a.m. Sean Fain's okay. going to make uh, a talk to the uh, reporters. We All don't. Right. We don't have any more than just that, and then at noon is the actual deadline. Okay, so if if they. If the car companies don't come up with a better deal to their liking, then there's going to be more people going on strike. Yeah, they said, you know, if there's no significant movement. And I've just been wondering uh, all along here, what? how do they characterize, how does the UAW characterize significant movement? So uh, that'll be interesting to see tomorrow. I suspect significant movement means coming closer to what well, they've asked for. Sure, you sure. Know? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I'm assuming. And if you'd ask the auto companies, they would say, my gosh, we've made a lot of movement and yeah. we've done a lot of this and a lot of that. I think in the free press, the uh, the commentary by Mark Royce uh, from yesterday, I think uh, goes a long way in at least giving GM side of the story by dispelling what they claim are myths that have been put forward by the UAW. I'm, I'm going to try to get Mark on, but, I, you know, this is a these are uh, tough times because nobody wants to uh, do their negotiating via mm-hmm. the media. You know, it's it's not... Never. I, I understand that's never good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering now if Sean Fain is going to use uh, more movie clips. I guess he used movie clips before um, in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in getting his message Or out. a trash can. Or a trash can. That's been very significant. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be kind of fun to have a guess which movie clips he would use. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Rieger, you'd be better at that because you're, you're very much more involved in movies. And, of course, Brian Morton, who used to be badmovieguy.com, but Brian knows movies. So maybe I'll ask you guys, uh, Brian and Dave, to come up with the movie clips that Sean Fain might use tomorrow at 10 to, uh, to get his point across. I don't know, Marie. Do you think that'd be a good idea? I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I think it just remains to be seen what will. I think got, it's getting more got serious. Like, I've already oh, got like three at the top of my head. So. Oh, oh, good, Davy, Davy, yeah. good. Yes. Way to go. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to write them down. Well, obviously, Al Pacino's uh, speech from Any Given Sunday. Obviously, <laughs> I got to go with that. 
or um, Al, or I guess it'd be all Al Pacino, Al Pacino, Scarface. Oh boy. Or Al Pacino, Serpico. Any one of those three would work great. Or what about the You Can't Handle the Truth? That would be good, too, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> that would be good, too. <laughs> My See, you can't there handle you the truth. There you go. That was a great, great moment, wasn't it? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I wonder if he'll use one of those. Now, maybe we've given him a suggestion. Not that he cares what we might think or suggest, but we I think you came up with some good ones there, did Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, um, so Riri, October 3rd, Tuesday, Breakfast with the Bishop, org. The breakfast will be at the DAC, the Detroit Athletic Club, our own Marie Osborne featured. And you can help St. Anne's Mead by going online, org, and try to be there Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm, I'm traveling, so I won't be able to be there, but I'll be there in spirit, Marie. Thank you. Good to know. <laughs> we'll say a prayer for you. How does that well, sound? Well, I can always use prayers. Yeah, right. We Marie Osborne, WJR Senior News Analyst. As we continue, Tanya J. Powers is coming up in focus on WJR. Tanya J. Powers is back with us. We always enjoy speaking with Tanya, the Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor. She has some news on the Fox Business Poll and some uh, some surprising good news if you happen to be supporting, say, oh, I don't know, Nikki Haley. Good afternoon, Tanya. Hey, good afternoon. I've only got a couple minutes left, but I can tell you uh, the takeaways from this poll. It's the Fox Business Poll, uh, and this was done with Iowa registered voters that were randomly selected from a statewide voter file, about 813 people. So it gives you an idea of the, the size of the polling. And what they found was that the former president, Donald Trump, is still leading the nomination race in Iowa by about 31 points. Uh, that's right in line where he was in July. Uh, the biggest movement comes from Nikki Haley. Since July, the support for her has doubled uh, twice as many, nearly twice as many now say they would definitely back her for the nomination. That puts her in the top three as far as the candidate preference uh, question goes. You got Trump, Trump with 46% among the Iowa Republican caucus goers, then Ron DeSantis with 15%, and Nikki Haley with 11%, which means a six point jump for her. Hmm. All right. Well, anything else before you have to run? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of other things that were very uh, interesting from the from the polling. A quarter, nearly a quarter of Iowa Republican caucus goers said they would never support Trump to be their nominee. Um, he, there's also the surprising finding that as many as one third believe it's unlikely that he can beat President Joe Biden um, in the 2024 election, if he is the nominee, which I thought was interesting, they come, some of them cited some some of his you know legal issues that they think will hurt his chances rather than help them in the general election. Uh, so something to keep an eye on there as well. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good the way they uh, they broke it down because you talked about who the front runners were, Donald Trump, obviously. But then also saying that nearly one quarter of Iowa Republican caucus goers say they would never support Donald Trump to be their nominee, 23%. That's twice as many as reject him nationally, which would be 11%. And then it goes down the whole list. Boy, some people say they would never vote for any number of people that are there. But at this point, uh, Ramaswamy, 26%, up 10 points since July. Poor Vice President Pence, 42% 
saying they'd never vote for him. And not a surprise. I mean, let's face it. Chris Christie is just a lightning rod. 52%. He does the worst in that poll of people who would not uh, be uh, voting for him. And that, again, is from the Iowa Republican caucus goers. So uh, there you are. All right, uh, Tanya J. Powers, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Sure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Um, I, di- I didn't know she had to go running so fast, but that's okay. She's a busy person, and uh, we, uh, we're happy just to get those figures in in the first place. Uh, what happened, it, does, Dave Rieger, was there a, a, I think there was an excuse given, but I can't remember what it was in these busy last few days. Uh, when the president was going to be coming in to to be on the picket line, do you know why they decided that he couldn't do that? Because they were worried that Donald Trump is coming in to be on the picket line and to try to woo the UAW. Do you, have you heard anything? I mean, I did hear that, right? He's not coming. Um, I have to check on why um, this uh, happened. And, uh... He might have seen Nolan Finley's column. Possibly. We're going to have Nolan on tomorrow. So oh, good, good. You can, so you can ask him about it. Yeah, because Nolan's column today, under the headline, Biden will own outcome if he joins picket line. And then Nolan goes on to say, Joe Biden should stay off the picket line. The strike called by the United Auto Workers has tremendous potential to end in an economic disaster. The more the president puts his stamp on it, the more he'll own what seems destined to be a terrible outcome. UAW President Sean Fain is not engaged in negotiations with the Detroit Three Automakers. He barely comes to the table and reportedly has not moved off his initial pie-in-the-sky demands, which included a 46% pay raise for a 32-hour work week. And then Nolan Finley goes on. You can find that in today's Detroit News. I happen to like the actual paper, but you get it also online, obviously, at DetroitNews.com. So um, people are uh, not sitting back and uh, quietly accepting what's going on, including uh, the commentary the yesterday, I think it was, from Mark Royce in the Free Press, right. saying that uh, the flow of misinformation could prolong UAW strike. Then he hits several myths that he dispels. And we're going to try to talk to him, too, but I I fear he's not going to be terribly available with all of this. What else for today? What did, you, uh, what did you make of um, Rupert Murdoch here? Yeah, I you know, Rupert uh, is too old to be president of the United States. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> he, and I don't know how old he, he's got to be. He's 92. Okay, I was going to say late 80s, but... 92, and it takes a wise and successful businessman to realize when his time is up for the active, grueling day-to-day work of running a big, well, several big companies. And so he said, I've got my son or sons. I'm not sure if they're both still involved, but they were. I've got my sons, and it's time for them to be actively. So he's like... uh, what did they call him? He's going to be like chairman emeritus, or I don't know what the term was. Do you know? I'm reading. Uh, yeah, that, exactly. He's going to be transitioning to the title of chairman emeritus, and his son, and I don't know how you pronounce Lakeland, Lakeland, L A C H L A N. He like is that. set to become the sole chairman of both of the companies. 
So this so then, would be uh, Fox News and News uh, Fox News and News Corp. Yeah. So so there was probably a I'll call it a bloodless coup uh, between the brothers, and one of them has probably dropped out altogether so that uh, he saved face and didn't want to be the guy that didn't get the job. I'm guessing. I don't know. But so uh, it'll be, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce it, Lachland, or it's, you know, Scottish, whatever it is. Anyway, uh, so that's that. And uh, Rupert probably has been on the sidelines for a very long time, but it's hard to give up. It's hard to speak out loud and admit it. Like, for example, uh, whether it's McConnell or President Biden or any number of others that uh, just really aren't at their best, but they're not going to say it. They can't admit it to themselves. It'll have to be apparently up to the American people to make that decision. And if you look at all the polls, the American people, including Democrats, are finally making that decision, that determination for a variety of of reasons. All right, uh, more to come here in Focus on WJR. I am. Not, I can't be certain, but I, I was contacted by uh, Dr. Lisa Marie Carzone, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I think I met her just via email and text through my good friend, Coach Jim Harbaugh. But I, again, I'm not sure. I, sometimes various organizations kind of run together for me when I when I uh, get all this stuff together. But I, I'm telling you, we do have something uh, that you might be very interested coming up. It's an inaugural historic fundraising gala to support the grand opening of the Heart of Christ Medical Clinic in Detroit's Corktown. Uh, the Knights of Columbus, Order of Malta, Mother and Unborn Baby Care, Christ Medicus Foundation, Ascension, Trinity Health, and Catholic Charities of Southeast Michigan. Uh, it, and it's a very uh, fascinating uh, information for you, uh, and and we wanted to talk with the founder of Christ Medicus Foundation and, and really find out what they're all about. So we welcome Mike O'Day to the Paul W. Smith Focus Show. Uh, Mike O'Day, welcome. Well, thank you, um, Paul. I listen to you quite frequently on the radio, and, um, you know, I've been a follower of yours for you know, a long time. And um, never had the opportunity to be on your show and always kind of dreamed that maybe someday I would have an opportunity to be on. So thank you so much. And thank you for, um, you know, bringing attention to this Heart of Christ clinic that um, we are putting together. Well, uh, I, I want to know, and I'm sure my listeners would like to know, tell us what this is all about and why. Well, you know, it's you know, a lot of people think we have, you know, great health care you know, in Detroit, but women in Detroit are not getting the care and they're not getting treated with the dignity that they should. And neither is the whole family in the city of Detroit. And so much more needs to be done. But, you know, this all really began because my wife and I, you know, had a dream uh, when it started well, 40 years ago, because we were working very closely, you know, helping moms that would find themselves in a crisis pregnancy center and, and we really struggled to find where we could send our women where they would really get treated appropriately by doctors because they would be poor and be discouraged to have their baby, you know, encouraged to abort their babies, you know, pump them through with pills and everything. And my wife and I found out this wasn't the answer for women or for the whole family with what they're being told in certain communities. And Detroit was one that 
more than than all. We just wanted to be able to serve these moms. And so, you know, we prayed and dreamed, and here it is 40 years later that, um, you know, Archbishop Vigneron thought we should do something, and then the Knights of Columbus did, and then, you know, all the groups that you mentioned, and our crisis pregnancy center is Mother and Unborn Baby Care, and we have been, been serving women for 40 years. So um, we all came together, and it's just incredible that there's so much community support because this never would have happened. Because the way we're going to care for these women is different. Um, you know, I think people are finding out more and more. They just push you through clinics so fast today. You might get 10, 15 minutes with a doc, and he's gone. But, you know, families need more time and care, but the physicians aren't paid enough. So that's why we're having this fundraiser. We've got to raise additional money to make this clinic a success. It's not going to be able to make it, you know, just on government insurance or private insurance, but we do want to serve the whole community. Those that, you know, have money and those that don't, because the people that have money will be able to help support those that don't. So, you know, we're very, very excited about it. The idea here obviously is to uh, choose life than any other alternative. The Heart of Christ Clinic providing high-quality care that heals and restores patients and families in spirit, mind, and body from the information you've provided me by naturally and supernaturally caring for and accompanying each patient as a whole person. Uh, the clinic will engage in the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, the divine physician, to offer life-affirming, dignified care to every patient. Um, it's the, the fundraising event is Thursday, September 28th, a week from today, from 6 till 9 p.m. at the Great Burton Manor on Schoolcraft Road in Livonia. And you have quite a, uh, a lineup of, of, of guests that will be speaking. And um, you can learn more and register at uh, www.heartsclinic.com, heartsclinic.com. Sister Dady Byrne, M.D., Dr. Christian Collier, uh, Lewis Brown, J.D., Mark Forrest, uh, Irish Tenor, going to be doing a little singing, I guess, Dr. Ray Gorendi, and Catherine Jean Lopez. So it's uh, quite an event. It's your first one for people to get an idea of the Christ Medicus Foundation and the Heart of Christ Clinic, the first annual fundraiser. Uh, that's going to be in Corktown. And uh, and so we thank you for your work, and I'm glad we could get the word out. Well, I thank you very much, Paul. And, yeah, this is just the first of many galas that we'll have in the future. We're already planning our second one. We're, we're so excited. You know, we've already got 400 people signed up, and we had to do all this just in a couple months. And, well, congratulations uh, to you. Job well done. We've got to run. But uh, you, this Paul, was so much. this was your dream, and now here you are as the founder of Christ Medicus Foundation, Mike O'Day. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, Let's, thank you, Paul, and God bless. God bless you. It's uh, heartsclinic.com, heartsclinic.com, the event a week from today, Thursday, September 28th at the Burton Manor. That'll do it for now. Maybe I'll see you tonight at the Futures Foundation, honoring Bill and Vivian Young and their whole family. Absolute pure plastic pack packaging, well-deserved. Uh, that is going to do it for today. We'll look forward to tomorrow, noon to 2, or catch us on the greatvoice.com podcast. Stand by for news and WJ Afternoons with Chris Renwick.
Make it a great rest of the day on your way to making each and every day count each day as a gift. Regards, Paul W. Smith.